0: Welcome to Wireframe from Adobe and Gimlet Creative, a podcast about good user experience design and how we shape technology to fit into our lives. I'm Koi Vin, Principal Designer at Adobe. On this episode, we're at Adobe Max. This is our annual conference that brings together people from around the world to talk about the newest developments in creativity and design. Many of the designers who come to Max work in-house at big companies like Airbnb, Target, or Google. And this makes sense because life for designers at these companies is better than ever. The pay, the snacks, the foosball, yes, but even the work is more interesting too. These companies are doing design on a global scale with unprecedented impact. At the same time, there continues to be a thriving culture of independence in design. These are often smaller studios and agencies, owned and operated by designers. Here, design always comes first. So, if in-house teams are more alluring than ever, it's also true that indie studios continue to be vital. In fact, without those independent designers...
1: It would be a, a world without oxygen, without color. <laughs> I think our world would turn gray.
0: That's Patricia Fulvar. She's an in-house designer at an entertainment company, but the designers that she looks up to to inspire her work, they're independent. I think
1: we need that because, you know, I work in an entertainment studio More you have to run everything by people. By the time it gets approved, it's watered down. And whereas I love that independent people get to really push, you know, they're creative, they stand by it, and and they really work hard at making it happen, and I respect that, I appreciate it, and I love that.
0: In-house designers looking to the work of independence? That's something we heard over and over again at Adobe Max. Here's designer Brittany Welch. I feel like when you're in-house, I think you're taken less seriously in, in some instances because it's kind of like you're in the belly of the beast when you go to an outside agency. They're taken seriously because they're experts in their field, and so you might have more of a chance to get something that's kind of edgier, that's this outside of the box, you know, get that pushed through because they went to you
2: for your expertise.
0: Independent studios are often at the avant-garde of design because they can bring something to the table that in-house teams can't. Kemp Atwood is a partner at one such independent studio.
1: What independent studios bring to the landscape is, you know, a willingness to push the boundaries. And I think I think without that, without having the... the Really the people that are willing to go the extra mile,
0: I think that the, you know, the landscape would really miss that. So for this episode, we're featuring a presentation from Adobe Max that puts a spotlight on three independent design studios. In front of our live audience, we'll hear from the people who have built these studios from the ground up. First up is Jason Hardy. He's a co-founder and design director of Century, a studio based in San Francisco.
3: I think of the three of us up here, my studio is the smallest and newest. So I'll be sharing some of the uh, experience that goes along with that and some of the decisions and choices that we made when we started the studio. So when my partner and I started talking about what we were going to do with our careers, we sort of realized that we had a few options. You could go in-house for a company, go to a design studio, you could start a company or just be a freelancer. And so we started to weigh those different things. And the first thing we asked ourselves is what do we actually like and what do we value? And so so things like creative, expression, honesty, utility, all kind of bubbled to the surface. And then we talked about, well, how do we want to spend our days? We both knew that we wanted to be hands-on, and I think, What is sort of uh, a common scenario for a lot of designers is as you kind of move up in an organization, you become less and less hands-on with the actual day-to-day work and you become more of a design manager. We also wanted to work on projects that had some emotional resonance and that felt like beautiful graphic design. That said, we also really value things that have a component of utility and things that work well. And then I personally have a philosophy. Whenever I make career decisions and choices, I try to go where I feel like I will learn the most. At the time, starting a studio was the thing that I was the most scared of. So it felt like the thing that would probably teach me the most as well. We got a studio space, we got plants, we got desks, we got posters, and we got to work. So as we are starting to decide which projects to take on... Um, it's not always easy to make those decisions. And those decisions kind of shape the tone of the studio and they shape uh, certainly the way that you spend your days. So again, we ask ourselves a series of questions. Uh, Things like, can we make something remarkable? Do we like it? Does it deserve to exist? It's a big one. I think as designers, we all have a responsibility for the things that we put into the world. Does it pay money? Do we have time? Are they nice? Will we learn? Are we excited? These are all super simple questions that are sometimes surprisingly difficult to answer. So I'd say the biggest difference between working as an independent design studio versus working, say, in-house is that you're going to work on a variety of projects in a variety of industries, with a variety of clients, and a variety of people. And not only that, but you're going to take on a variety of roles, because as a smaller studio, certainly, you have to be sort of scrappy, you have to adjust, you have to be nimble. So... Our philosophy is to always stay nimble, to be able to adapt to what the client needs, what is happening in the culture, what is happening with technology, and be able to kind of flex with that. So how does it feel? How does it feel to do this work and to work as an independent designer right now and to work on this variety of things? And I would say it feels uncomfortable often. It feels like you're torn in a lot of different directions and can feel like you are sort of running on empty at times. But I think that you learn how to become comfortable being uncomfortable. But I also feel like for clients, it can feel uncomfortable as well. And that's because the way that we are communicating with clients and other designers is changing and the tools are evolving. And so now we're sharing work much more frequently. We're sharing work early when it's very messy. It can feel pretty disconcerting to see some rough stuff and expect to be wowed by it. So we get comfortable with that and we teach people to just trust us and come along for the ride. And we do tailor our work and our process to the clients. We do have kind of a set process that is pretty typical and I don't think it's unique to us. The idea is that you start out with some kind of thinking and strategy and we do a lot of talking, a lot of writing, a lot of question asking, and then The expression portion of it is when we get messy, we try a lot of different things, eventually you get to something that's right, and that's when you turn it into a system. And that's actually probably the hardest part, because you have to sort of shepherd an idea through that process, which can be really tricky. So I think it's being comfortable knowing that you're going to start with nothing. And I think the point of all of this is that even though it can feel uncomfortable, The idea is that you're sort of in it and that you're thinking about things, you're experimenting, discovering interests and discovering skills that maybe you didn't even realize you had. The point is that you're kind of in this state of generating ideas and coming up with solutions so that as new projects come along, as new clients come along, you have sort of fuel in the tank to address those things and to do great work. So we're a couple years into it. I think for us, we intend to stay nimble, and that means being aware of where our culture is going, where technology is going, where design is going, making sure that we are doing things that feel right for us, but that also are great for our clients and just
0: keeping on. Thank you. That was Jason Hardy of the design studio Century talking about how he keeps his studio nimble. Our next speaker, Jennifer Gonzalez, is a partner and director at the independent studio Hugo & Marie in New York City. She says that a big part of independent studios is a chance to collaborate, whether it's with the people you work with or the clients you work for.
2: I primarily run business direction and business development and strategy and partnerships. Uh, We've collaborated with brands including Apple, Nike, Saint Laurent, and Rihanna. And our agency really provides uh, very sort of broad in terms of capabilities and services. It includes everything like illustration, motion and film, The one kind of primary important aspect is clients and kind of what the relationship and the the dynamic of working with clients is like. So after many years of not quite being able to articulate who we are or what it is that we really do, I can say that we're really more like an improv ensemble. And this is something we kind of recently coined and defined for ourselves. and it is kind of silly, um, but I think it is incredibly fitting Clients come to us for things we've never done before, we really like new challenges, and the key to being an improv ensemble is to really embrace the mantra, yes and. Which once you get started on that, um, it's, you can't really stop because you you just force yourself constantly to uh, see the positive in the other person's ideas or even in your own ideas, and to not like shut things down um, in a way that just forces you to continue. So because of that, we are constantly embracing new challenges, All of our work is really a combination of like trial by fire, you know, learning as we go along. So progress, what progress means for us really is building one of the most candid and collaborative environments for creative output. So I will describe a little bit about our behavior and what makes us tick uh, as an independent agency. And there are a few principles that have allowed us to continue. And these are partnership, blind faith, curiosity, mistakes, and candidness. These are some of the values that really guide us every day. We're a relatively flat organization. Egos really do not work very well inside of our company. So we have design leads, we have directors, we have people in sort of positions of traditional hierarchy, but project to project in the way that we construct the teams, there is not that traditional sense of hierarchy. Um, we really do embrace kind of good ideas can come from anywhere. We have you know, interns who have similar responsibilities as design leads do. So we kind of force ourselves and everyone on our team to be extremely solution oriented. We force ourselves to be very critical and very direct with one another and being super focused on the product and that kind of end result is the easiest way for us to continue doing that. So the next aspect is just culture. The zeitgeist is very much part of our work. Music, fashion, culture, politics, these all have an influence on our creative. We're actively trying to make work uh, that are not on trend and that are not going to go out of fashion. Um, We are not that cool, um, but we're interested in recognizing the patterns behind cool. We like to create work in response to what's happening out there, um, and again, kind of really trying to actively avoid trends. One kind of industry that gives us an opportunity to do this is music. So music work is totally subjective. Um, You're not solving a traditional problem. We are often asked to make pictures that look like music sounds. So it's pretty abstract. I, you know, over the years as I'm trying to, like, build a business with some efficiencies and methodologies, music kind of, like, takes all of those and just throws them out the window. And no one cares. So... I think just years after, like, 12 years of working with musicians and working in the music business, that kind of, um, like, training ground, if you will, has given us a lot of amazing tools to draw upon when we work with really established big businesses like Apple and Saint Laurent. So the final notion is the sense of exchange. So everyone here knows how much that the industry um, has changed, the dominance of internal creative teams versus agencies of record. Our company is by and large um, a project-based business, so we don't have traditional agency of record type of relationships. We are constantly like hustling for the next project. We very much exist for our clients, and we could not exist without them. And we've been extremely lucky over the years to work with the clients that we have. We often refer to them as partners. In some cases, we're simply a design vendor, and then uh, mostly we can consider them patrons. So in order for us to continue running as an independent creative agency, we need clients who really view themselves as patrons. And we hope to continue working with clients who really value this exchange and support us on our mission to create the best environment for creative output that we can. That's it.
0: That was Jennifer Gonzalez of Hugo & Marie talking about clients as patrons. Up next is Kep Atwood, a partner at Area 17, a studio with offices in both Paris and New York. For him, it's important to create the conditions that designers need to develop and flourish. Here's Kemp. When design isn't a
1: priority for leadership, quality is compromised, and designers aren't motivated to deliver their best work. When designers are focused too long on a single project or problem, they become bored and burnt out. They feel marginalized, and they disengage. And while there's office perks from game rooms to beer on tap sometimes compensate for this, The net result is keeping designers at work longer, working later hours, rather than contributing to their personal wellness. These conditions lead to the designer being unfulfilled, but more importantly, to losing their effectiveness. So what's the alternative? How can you create a design studio environment no matter what kind of company you're in? The first condition is that design studios put the integrity of the work first, which allows designers to focus on the craft. Independent studios chart their own path. They are founded first and foremost to serve the mission and principles of its leadership. And of course, that mission includes making money, but it also means not compromising the quality and craft of the work for profit. Here are a few of the ways we aim to maintain that integrity at Area 17. The first is that we're highly selective when deciding which work to take on. When new opportunities come in, we ask ourselves a few questions. Are they adding good in the world? Is there a clear problem and is it worth solving? Do they have the time and money to make it happen? These lead to difficult but meaningful choices. Saying no to clients that might have huge budgets but just aren't quite aligned in mission, this was the case on a project we just launched for Princeton University Press. For reasons beyond our control, we didn't have the budget to finish the project to our level of standard. At various milestones, we could have decided to cut our losses or even to cut corners, But we didn't because of our commitment to the work and to our mission to advance organizations like theirs that are enriching people's lives. We foot the bill for the extra effort, but the integrity of the design was maintained. And the value of our work is proving true. It's still early days, but engagement is up significantly, and we're continuing to collaborate with the press on new initiatives. Design is good for business, but when push comes to shove, an independent studio doesn't compromise the work, allowing designers to focus on their craft. The second condition is that design studios work with a broad range of clients in context, which provides designers an environment of continuous learning. As designers, we are curious by nature. So the simple fact that independent studios are constantly engaging new clients means that we get to learn about new subject matter and design for different audiences all the time. I had coffee with Tim, a designer on our team, a few weeks ago, and he reinforced this point to me. He he said, in my first year and a half, I've worked on data visualizations and narratives for a policy think tank, a portfolio for a revered design firm, a brand new healthcare journal, a smart TV app, and two e-commerce sites, one for kids and another for luxury apparel. The third condition is that design studios address clients' core challenges. Organizations bring in design studios at pivotal moments of change in their development, and this means that designers get to work on projects that can really make a difference. This is exactly what we thought was happening a few years ago when we embedded a cross-disciplinary design team in-house with one of our clients. We had been hired to reshape the brand and website for an international event. Our vision was to extend their web presence, and we were excited to get started. However, as the weeks passed, I began hearing some grumbling from the team. The structure within the organization was stifling our creativity. Each round was directed not at solving the challenge, but at satisfying the creative director the next level up. We kept hearing, my boss won't go for that, instead of, this isn't right for our business or users. We tried our best to reset the relationship, but ultimately it became clear that while we had been hired for our vision, the client team leading the project really just one in production. We ended the relationship, and our team returned deflated and disillusioned. The fourth condition is that design studios foster a culture of wellness, which allows designers to thrive in both their work and their life. There are all kinds of perks that companies offer to make being at work more fun and enjoyable. But if the net effect is that we're putting in longer and later hours, they amount to red herrings. Independent studios are just as likely to have snacks on the counter and beverages in their fridge, but the primary investment is on each individual's wellness. Here are a few examples of what that means for Area 17. Time away from the studio, with our families, experiencing culture, or just being in nature, feeds our capacity for creativity. We schedule designers 35 hours a week on client work, and we reserve five hours a week for contributing back to our design methodology. Our mission is to advance organizations that enrich lives. And in doing so, we need to be an organization that enriches the lives of everyone at Area 17. Because in order to be effective designers, we must thrive in work and life. In my experience, these four conditions create an ideal environment for designers to develop and flourish. But these conditions aren't exclusive to independent firms, just as they're not guaranteed. Even companies that see design as core to their business may not understand that it takes the right environment for designers to develop, or even know how to create it. In the end, it's not about in-house versus independent, but that we as designers establish the ground rules for effective design. And by doing so, we will influence not just designers, but everyone around us. Because design is not only a discipline, but a concept that everyone can benefit from. Thank Thank you.
0: That was Kemp Atwood of Area 17 talking about how he helps designers at his studio do their best work. And I just want to thank all the presenters, Jason Hardy, Jennifer Gonzalez, and Kemp Atwood for speaking with us at Adobe Max. They gave us a glimpse into life at independent design studios, from the wide variety of work that they do, to the collaborative way they work with their clients, to the immersion of their teams in the culture of design. They showed us that life outside of big in-house teams can also be vibrant and rewarding. Thanks for listening to Wireframe. Wireframe is produced by Laura Morris, Amy Standen, James T. Green, Mathilde Orfelino, and Abby Ruzica. Rachel Ward is our editor. Mixed and sound designed by Katherine Anderson. Original music composed by Billy Libby. Theme music by Peter Leonard. You can subscribe to Wireframe on Spotify, apple podcasts google play or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review we'd love to hear what you think wireframe is a production of adobe and gimlet creative and to try out adobe xd for yourself download it for free at adobe.ly slash gimlet i'm koi vin thanks for listening